welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. Today we're with Shanda Maddox of Barnwood and Bling and M Arrow Ranch in Colby, Kansas. Shanda and her husband, Caleb, are building and living in a legacy of agriculture. From her role as the equine program director and equestrian team head coach at Colby Community College, to turning a creative outlet into a Western home decor and fashion business, to selling their meat locally, we are covering it all. And you will find a common theme throughout this conversation. The heart behind everything Shanda and Caleb are involved in is to intentionally serve a need in their community. And that's pretty special. I actually had the opportunity to come to Colby in person about a month ago and put on a two-day strategic planning workshop for the Colby Convention and Visitors Bureau, local business owners, and local leaders, and it was fantastic. We created a powerful strategic marketing plan with common goals as a community and intentional tactics to help them move forward in this. Our time together made such an impact that I want to open up this opportunity for other communities this year. So if this is resonating with you and if you're interested in doing something similar in your small town, send me an email at info at ruralrevival.co or through our contact form on the Rural Revival website. I would love to talk with you more about making this happen in your community and the difference that it can make for you. And now with that, here we go with Shanda Maddox. Well, we're here today with Shanda Maddox of Barnwood and Bling and M Arrow Ranch in Colby, Kansas. Shanda, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Dan. I'm so excited. Me too. Well, tell us about you. Were you born and raised here in Colby? Yes. So Colby is my hometown um, and made the commitment after uh, my husband and I got married to return to Colby to raise our family and build a life here. Um, and, and really the big impetus was to be able to partner in my family's cattle operation. Wow. How did you and Caleb meet? Oh, (laughs) do you you want the PG version or the real version? I mean, we're all about being real here. So Uh, so we met at K-State, Kansas State. Um, Caleb and I both um, went to K-State for ag degrees. Um, I was a member of Sigma Alpha, the agriculture sorority at K-State. And Caleb was a AGR, Alpha Gamma Rho Fraternity. Yep. And the two organizations, I, I was a transfer student. Um, I actually attended Colby Community College first and then okay. transferred to K-State. Caleb um, completed his whole education at K-State. Uh, so some of the girls that I became friends with in Sigma Alpha were friends with some of the AGR boys, and they did a lot of um, activities together yep. um, between the sorority and fraternity. So we met that way, but the fun part of the story is... Um, and all that kind of ties back to my family operation, too. Um, I'd come home the fall of my, my first year to help process calves. And that same weekend, one of my roommates and girlfriends was going home to Republic County okay. to process her family's calves. And we decided we were going to bring all the nuts back and have a nut fry. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we hosted a, a really large nut fry in our apartment complex at K-State turned it to be like a way bigger shindig than we we planned. Um, so there was a bunch of Sigma Alpha girls that came, and, and this was like my, I don't know, within the first month of being at K-State. So it's kind of a risky call to host something like that with sorority girls I didn't really know. 
so a bunch of fraternity, AGR fraternity boys were there and a bunch of ag students. Um, and Caleb and one of his buddies showed up late. Um, his friend worked at a hog operation near Manhattan and they'd, they'd both gone to work there that day and they tracked pig poop in my apartment <laughs> and came in with a big cooler of red jungle juice uh-huh. that dripped all over our gray carpet. Oh no. So my first impression of Caleb was not that stellar. <laughs> But he made an impression. Oh, he made an impression. <laughs> but then I, I learned um, over the weeks what a cool guy he was. Yeah. Yep. He's a great partner. That's awesome. And, and kind of a fun note with that, too. That first nut fry that we held really was just kind of on a whim and for, for fun. For our next three years at K-State, we hosted a nut fry every semester. And it, it became named the Barnyard Jewel Bash. And we made T-shirts. And every year had a theme. And it became like the, the celebration of the College of Ag. Like hundreds of students would come celebrate a nut fry with us. Awesome. You started something. Yeah, it was More so than fun. One thing. <laughs> no, that's great. So now you are fifth generation ranchers. Correct. And your kids are sixth generation ranchers. What does that mean to you? Oh, gosh. You know, there's, there's a lot of legacy um, of cattle production and, um, you know, just this heritage of agriculture, um, in, in our part of the state and, um, you know, ties from both sides of my family, my mom's family and my dad's are, are both, um, from Northwest Kansas. And, you know, we were really thoughtful and intentional about making decisions that are going to be able to keep our, our children engaged in agriculture, if that's something that they choose to do. But, you know, as a, as a whole on a, on a broad spectrum, um, be able to, to be a positive light within agriculture and educate others and, um, really help the industry kind of be the best that it can be. Yeah, absolutely. So now kind of looking at your current situation, you have Barnwood and Bling and you also have M Arrow Ranch Company where, I mean, m amongst many other things, which we'll get into later, but we'll mm -hmm. start here. So which came first? Um, Barnwood and Bling came first. Um, it started in 2013. So before we had children, um, I, I was painting furniture and, and redoing furniture really just for fun. And I'd started that, gosh, clear back in high school and um, throughout college would do some some pieces for myself and for some friends and as we moved back continued to do it just as a creative release and a, yeah. a fun hobby um, and kind of started getting a push in 2012 by um, some friends and some of my family to do a little bit more with it uh, so established it as an official business in 2013 um, and then we had Morgan uh, my my daughter that fall and you know, over the years, the business has kind of just grown and evolved to look a lot of different ways. And truly what it is now, when I started, I had no intention of it being what it is today. Wow. Yeah. So have you seen that grow over the years? Um, and how know, have you grown it? I mean, sure. So it, it, you know, it really did start as a way to serve as a creative outlet for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for years, horses were my outlet and my stress relief. Yeah. Um, and when that became my full-time career, I needed something else to be that outlet. 
and Barnwood and Bling became that and still still is that today. Um, so over the years, you know, I've changed the the projects that I do or added more projects I maybe should say um, in terms of like the furniture and the crafting and the things that, that occurs within it. Um, but over the last, oh gosh, two or three, maybe four years, have started adding boutique line to Barnwood and Bling. So have um, clothing and accessories. Um, and, you know, three years ago, we built a barn on our property and kind of set it as a long-term goal that it'd have a, a brick-and-mortar space for Barnwood and Bling and have just did the grand opening uh, in early December um, this last winter and have it open for business here that people get to come to our place and shop here and see our animals and you know, I kind of joke with people as they come, they get fully emerged in our family. And um, at first I was a little hesitant about that, but I think that's also what makes it kind of unique and special uh-huh. that shoppers are going to come out and they might hear my child practicing her violin yeah. or they might see um, my kids out walking their show pigs or, you know, whatever that looks like and what's happening in our world. They become a part of it. Yeah. It's a real life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how often are you open? You know, right now, um, my, my plan is to just be open one weekend a month yep. and then two or three additional evenings. Um, because I do have a full-time job yeah. outside of this. And, uh, you know, I think it'll grow and evolve over time. And I have a lot of ideas and, uh, things in the future that we, we want to make happen. Um, but right now that's, what's working for our family. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. I have a lot of vision of what it's going to look like yeah. down the road. Yeah. Sky's mm -hmm. the limit. That's cool. So alongside that, you have M Arrow Ranch Company and you mentioned yes. that barn and, yes. and that is housed there too. So tell us about this other side hustle. Sure. So, you know, as we've discussed, um, my, my family, um, with our kids are, are the sixth generation uh, ranchers, cattle producers in this part of the state. And, you know, my family for generations have had a commercial cow-calf operation. Um, and, and I mentioned that Caleb and I made the decision to come back to partner with my mom on that operation. And there's, there's a lot of story to what led us here. So, you know, I, I said that my, my folks both were raised in the, the cattle industry. My dad grew up on a, a ranch um, in Cheyenne County, Kansas, um, and, and crossed into the Nebraska, uh, across the Nebraska state line as well. Um, my mom grew up in Sheridan County, Kansas, which is just a neighboring county, um, row crop farm, cattle production, um, cow-calf, and um, her dad helped start a um, fairly large and well-known um, feed yard in that area too. So they, you know, I come from both sides, generations producing cattle. Um, so growing up, you know, this, this was a, a part of what we did. I'm the youngest of, of four children and all of us played a role in that. Um, as the youngest, I, I got a lot of cool opportunities and perspectives and, um, got to tag along with my, my dad a lot, you know, checking cows and fixing fence and, um, and saying that I never thought that I would end up here and helping manage the herd and, and making that all happen. Yeah. Um, when, 
when I was a freshman in college, um, I mentioned that I stayed here and went to community college. And to be honest, that wasn't my plan. Um, I was recruited to go horse judge at a, a school in Oklahoma. Um, K-State was always on my, my radar and kind of my dream school, um, but had an opportunity to come here and have my two years of schooling paid for. And, and that was a you know, that was kind of a big push of my parents to be able to receive a quality and free education for two years before I went on for my bachelor's degree. And I'm a believer. Uh, and in hindsight, I think God had a hand in what this all needed yeah. to look like. Um, so while I was a freshman here at CCC, and that has been, oh gosh, almost 20 years ago now, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Um, with advanced esophageal cancer. And, you know, as the, the child that was here, I got to play really a, a vital role in what our operation looked like there during that time. Um, my dad received treatments in Houston at MD Anderson. And so my parents would be back and forth to Houston. Sometimes it would be like two weeks at a time. Um, so I was kind of the mainstay to, to be able to keep things going and, and moving forward. And there was a ton of people in the community that, that helped and our neighbors, you know, pitched in and helped make everything happen. Um, so, you know, I think that, that God absolutely played a hand in me being here. Mm -hmm. um, for those two years, I, I got to, you know, be with my dad in a time that if I was away at school, it wouldn't have looked the same. And, got to, to play a unique role in what our operation looked like during that time. Um, after my two years here, I transferred to Kansas State, and gosh, I'd only been at school for, it was less than two weeks when my dad passed away. Um, so, you know, he, he encouraged me to go on to Manhattan um, and to continue with the plans and the dreams that had been established. And I'm so thankful that, that he did. And yeah, that you that had was, his blessing. Yes, for yeah. sure. Um, but during that time, um, I ended up, I was at K-State for three years to, to complete a couple of different degrees. Um, my mom managed the herd. Wow. So she, you know, during that time, it looked a lot of different ways. A couple of my brothers jumped in and have, have their own operations, but that helped. There was... Um, another young man that uh, stepped in and helped and for a portion of time even leased the herd to alleviate a little bit from her. But ultimately she was the one who was keeping it all going. Um, and so as, you know, we are looking after, after I'd graduated K-State, um, Caleb and I were looking at what our opportunities were and we're exploring jobs and, you know, trying um, to establish what our life was going to look like, there there was a pull to come home and to kind of be able to bring the herd back together and help manage that. And um, he, Caleb and I both took advantage of some some cool opportunities, but then chose once we were married to to come back to Colby. So we partnered with my mom um, and continued to raise our Draper family commercial cattle herd. And really, then. You know, over the years, that's what it what it looked like for us. We were managing um, a cow herd. We we would breed them, um, sell the babies in the fall, and that was just our, our normal cycle. Um, 
Amaro Ranch Co. developed, honestly, as a product of COVID. Wow. Um, you know, I, I I tell people that for us, that was a really positive thing and kind of a, a game changer in how we were restructuring our business. Um, <clears throat> you know, when, when things began to shut down across the country, um, we were seeing a huge shortage of fresh meats in the grocery stores. And, you know, people in our community knew that we raised cattle and were coming, our friends and neighbors were coming to us asking if they could purchase meat from us. And we had never, you know, gone through the steps or even had that as a goal to be able to process meat for retail. Would always save some back for ourselves, you know, and butcher Mm -hmm. our own animals. Um, So started exploring what that all looked like. And leading into that, you know, I think, too, this is God playing a hand in, in what our, our business and our relationships needed to look like. Um, Caleb and I became very involved in Kansas Farm Bureau and served on our state's Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee and, you know, established really cool relationships and, and networks and had an opportunity to see and do a lot of things. But there was one um, wife in our conference that there was a speaker who was talking about really being able to maximize your business on the land that you have, not necessarily being able to, to purchase more land and expand your business in that way, but to focus on things you can do on with what you have mm-hmm. to see growth and expansion. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, it planted a seed in our mind of what that could look like for us. And that's before we We'd built the barn and had started plans for, for the boutique. So all of that kind of came out of these conversations we were having of how can we do more with what we, we have right now? Yeah. Um, so then, you know, when we started getting these questions about having our beef available to, to consumers, we started looking into that and contacted the Depart- Kansas Department of Ag to see what kind of licenses we need to have and, and what that process all needed to look like. So, you know, this was spring of 2020, and it, it takes you 18 months to develop an animal, a beef animal, to butcher. Yeah. So it's it's been a process to get to the point that we are now, um, but have been offering our beef to consumers for several months now. Um and, you know, we, we have felt the love and support of our community. Um, we, we regularly have shoppers at the boutique, shoppers coming for beef. Um, you know, for both, we've explored websites. And right now, that isn't where we need to be because mm-hmm. we're serving the needs of our community. Yeah. And, and locally, you know, people are, are coming to us to... Um, purchase their meat and then the ladies to, to do their shopping. And, um, the, the model seems to be working to serve our community. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's different for people too, because they know us personally and they know the, the care that we put into raising our animals and that, you know, the, the steak that they're going to eat is raised with right compassion, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. They can drive down the dirt road and and see our herd and see Caleb out feeding the cows. That they they know how that animal was cared for. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, I love that it's been so well received. And it, oh, it really has. We're wor- thankful for that. Word of mouth is huge in a small town. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Yes. So 
you alluded to this a little bit, but you also serve as the equine program director and equestrian team head coach at Kobe Community College. And you've also served as an advisor, right, for mm-hmm. the Colby Community College Collegiate Farm Bureau chapter. That's correct. All of all of that is part of my role. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so, you know, that was part of the decision in, in making the move back to Colby, too. Um, when I graduated K-State, you know, I, I, I was feeling the pull to come back home, but also really felt this pull to go do something different. And uh-huh. I'd had the opportunity as a youth to, to see parts of the world, but was really feeling like a strong urge that I needed to go do something more and see other parts. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it was something, there, there was something within me that I, I just needed a chance to explore and even in a little opportunity to, to find myself a little bit more. Um, so I, I took advantage of an opportunity through Kansas State to spend a few months in Botswana, Africa, wow. and um, taught at a, a really low-income private school in the capital city of um, Haverone. Um, I was teaching in a, an area referred to as Old Lady. It's honestly, it was kind of a shanty town, mm-hmm. um, and was teaching fifth grade, um, mostly boys in the class. Um, science, math, and English. And then our days that I was in teaching was volunteering at a wildlife and nature preserve um, called Mocha Lodi, which was just outside the capital city. So I spent my summer doing that, and it was a life-changing experience. Um, you know, have a, certainly have a piece of my heart in, in Africa, but that's also played a unique role in what my teaching experience at a community college that brings a lot of international students, kind of oh, how that yeah. all ties together. Uh-huh. But as I got home from Africa, I decided I was going to spend a couple months at home and then kind of re- regroup again and apply for, for jobs and kind of help my mom find her footing. And, you know, all along, she probably really did have her footing, but <laughs> it was me that yeah. needed to, to know that she was okay. Yeah. Um, so I came home, and, and during that time, uh, the woman who was serving as the equine program director reached out to me and She's like, my, my plate is full. You know, you, you rode here, you rode for K-State. Can, can you come in and help coach the team? And so I agreed with a little bit of limitation. You know, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I'm not planning to stay in Colby. Um, but while I'm here, yep, I'll come help you. <laughs> yeah. um, and that opportunity, I think, too, you know, God had a hand in putting all of that in front of me. Um, and I've now been at Colby Community College for 14 years. Um, so what started as me helping coach the team um, within a couple of years transitioned into me taking um, the leadership role as the director of the equine program and becoming head coach of the team. And, you know, then those, the duties at the college and um, my roles that I play have just continued to grow and evolve from there. Uh, you know, Farm Bureau has played a big part in, in our lives and our careers. Um, so served too as the, the advisor for the collegiate chapter. And just this last year got to take on the role of division chair for um, our agriculture division. And there's so many cool things happening um, at Colby Community College and within the ag department and really Colby as a whole 
um, lots of really cool growth and um, opportunities for our students. And it's an exciting time to be a part of, of CCC and um, our community. Yeah, that's great. So that's your full-time gig. <clears throat> that's my full-time job, yeah. And then Caleb also has Caleb Maddox Portable Welding. Yes. Um, which, tell us about that. And, in, and he mentioned he's even getting into concrete. So Yeah, yeah. So my husband has a portable welding business. Um, you know, he does a lot of kind of on-call work for people as they have emergencies at their farms with equipment Um does a lot of millwright work for grain elevators and in that type of um, the grain business as well. And then yes, concrete is a, a portion of his, his business as well. So does it, you know, for, for industry, commercially, people's homes kind of, again, like if, you know, found a place that there was a need and he had skill sets that could meet the need of people in our community and stays really busy. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Last year, you and Caleb and your kids were recent were named the Farm Family of the Year by Farm Bureau. That's a huge achievement, and congratulations! Thank That's you. really awesome. What did that mean to you? You know, when when we were first notified, our first thoughts were that we weren't deserving. Um, you know, as, as we've seen people receive the award over the years, they're they're people who oftentimes are like my, my folks generation and they have spent years building a business and, um, giving to their community that we, we felt like we were too young to be able to receive an award like that, but we're really humbled and excited about the opportunity and the, the recognition that that shared with us is really cool. Yeah. And you get to represent agriculture right through that. So, mm -hmm. um, you guys started Prairie Barn Market. Oh, yes. Um, as another way to really give back to your community. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little more about that. Sure. So we're preparing for our fourth annual uh, Prairie Barn Market on June 4th, uh, 2022. And, and you're right. You know, there's there's been conversations lately and even conversations that Caleb and I have that so much of what we do, we're doing to serve a need that is in our community. Um, cause ultimately, you know, we want this place to be a place that, um, all generations really feel welcomed and involved and there's things for them to do and participate in. And, you know, a place that our kids are and our friends, kids and our family, you know, that they're able to, to thrive because of the things that are occurring in our community. Um, so Prairie Barn Market had kind of been on a on a dream list for me, and um, really it, it tied back to my my barnwood and bling business that I had I'd had an opportunity to be a vendor at um, some different handmade market type places, and had this dream of establishing something like that in Colby and in helping serve Northwest Kansas and bring an event like that here. Um, so at one point, you know, we decided that. We dreamed enough about it, and it just needed to happen. Yeah. Um, so looked through some different ways of how we could make that happen, and ultimately um, partnered with our local museum and historical society to to host the event. Um, our museum is home to the largest barn in Kansas. So it's this 
really big, beautiful barn that um, was imported from um, a, a local farm um, called Foster Farms. And so really that's kind of the, the structure that's the trademark of Prairie Barn Market and really for our, for our museum. Um, so we, we partnered with them to, to put on this event and invite vintage and handmade makers um, yep. from really now it's stretching kind of a, a four-state area. Um, we have, of course, vendors from Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, pulling some up from Oklahoma um, to put on a, a day of outdoor shopping. And, you know, we're, we're drawing shoppers from a, a large area, too, that they can come to one location and uh, be able to take in some really great, unique shopping. Um, we have food vendors, um, you know, yard games. Uh, last year, for the first time, some of my team members brought in um, some of our school horses, and we did pony rides and set up a petting zoo. Uh, the high school art club does face painting. Um, Caleb's contribution to all of it is we host a – I say that. He contributes a lot. Like the event would not happen without <laughs> Caleb's support. Um, but kind of the, uh, the draw for the men, um, he's organized a rusty truck and tractor show. Nice. And so has, you know, local people bring in cool tractors and fun trucks that they have. Um, so our goal is, you know, that people can come and spend a day at our event. And really, you know, I have these pictures in my mind of um, – you know, the, these families with their young kids and the, even the grandmas and the grandpas, like they're all sitting around at these picnic tables eating this delicious food and this really fun environment, and they come and spend the whole day. And it's, it's just established a, another way that we can find community and establish yeah. those relationships. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. Um, you guys, I mean, to say that you're involved in the community would be a big understatement, but beyond some of these things that we've talked about, you're also involved in a lot of other ways. Tell us about some of those things that you're involved in and why that's important to you. Sure. Yeah, we, we're active in our church, um, the First Presbyterian Church here in Colby. Um, it's a small congregation, and so all of us are part of everything that, that happens, you know, uh -huh. and all the, the ministry that we, we've chosen to participate in. Um, I was a lifetime 4-H'er here in Thomas County, um, so we've made a commitment to be involved in that organization. Um, my, my daughter just experienced her first year of 4-H, so I got to change roles a little bit and become a 4-H mom. And our son, too, as he's old enough, will, will join 4-H. Um, and for years have helped as the the 4-H horse project leader and, um, you know, helped at the fair. And, and so much of this too, um, you know, I think I was, I was taught all this as a young person because this is the type of stuff my, my parents did, mm -hmm. you know, serving our community and serving others was expectation almost sounds like a harsh word, but, but it was, it was part of what we did as mm -hmm. a family. Yeah. Um, that I, I don't even really know any different of what that looks like. Like we want our, our town and community to be strong. And, you know, Caleb and I both have a, a desire to, to serve others. And these are ways that we can do that. Um, Caleb just recently took on a role too on our city planning and zoning committee. Um, so is, is getting involved 
um, in a, a different aspect there to serve our town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for other people listening who have moved back to their community and want to get involved? Where do you start? No, it, it can probably be overwhelming initially, but there's so many avenues and, um, you know, organizations that already exist that are, are wonderful organizations to be a part of and, and to um, be able to, to serve your time and contribute. But I would also say if there's an area that you see a need and, and if you feel like that's a need that you can serve, to step in and do that. And sometimes that can be intimidating. Yeah. You know, a lot of this we, we thought about for some time before we took action on it. Um, but it's been totally worth it. Yeah. So I would just encourage folks to go for it. You know, if they, they feel the, the pull or, um, feel like that's a, an area they can minister to other people to, to step in and do that. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think a lot of us can identify with, with this, but a lot of times you hear people say, and, and especially in a small town, well, somebody should, and you are that somebody, mm-hmm. you know, because if you can find that place where what you have to offer fits, it's needed. You're exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you love most about your small town? Oh, gosh. Colby is such a cool town. And I don't know that I could just pinpoint one thing. Um, you know, there's there's unique industry and cuisine and arts like there's there's really so much for a rural community in in northwest Kansas so I say I can't pick one thing but I think all of those come back to the people yeah they're they're people that um you know they're they're invested in the those different areas to make it a strong community and and there's support for small business and um Caleb and I talk about this frequently. If there's there's ever anyone in our community, or you know, we see it happen all over this part of the state. Um, if there's everyone, ever anyone who's having a difficult time, you know, a health crisis or you know, a fire or something really tragic that occurs, our community steps in and helps those people. Yeah, and and I just think that's such a a unique way that that small towns really love and support one another. Yeah. And you got to experience that firsthand with your dad. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there's nothing quite like that. It's true. Mm -hmm. What excites you most about the future of rural America? Oh, gosh. You know, I I hear and I read about um, the brain drain Mm -hmm. and folks leaving rural America. And I I don't know what has caused this transition. um, But I think that here we're actually seeing the opposite occur. That's so great. And, and I, th- I think of it, you know, so much of, of these things I've explained about how our community loves and supports one another, that's a draw to young families to, you know, come back or come to our community maybe, um, even if they, they weren't local, um, because that it exists on such a big level. Um, so, you know, population in Northwest Kansas is decreasing uh, but I, I also see like really fabulous people choosing to make this their home and engaging yeah. in the community that it isn't it isn't occurring in such a negative light that maybe is sometimes presented. Yeah, that's so good. Well, what's next for you? Any big projects or plans? 
Oh, gosh. We have a lot of dreams of yeah. what's to come. And, you know, some of it is um, improvements to our property and, and what that can look like to better serve um, our customers. You know, right now our, our cattle are a couple miles down the road. So being able to bring some of the steers here that folks can see the whole process and we can have some education about agricultures is part of this. Um, my mom and I are, have kind of taken on helping with the visual arts project for 4-H. And so during the summer have plans to have some kid craft classes out at the barn and there's a, there's a lot still to come. Yeah. You know, I, I keep yeah. a list of all these, these dreams and Caleb and I sit down a couple times a year and kind of reevaluate where we're at and what our goals look like and, and what's coming next. And, you know, so many times too, things that come our way aren't things that we've planned, yeah. but are a good fit. And, um, yeah, it just tends to, to work out. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What would you say to somebody who's like you, who has a lot of dreams for things they want to do to add something to their community or just this thing that they've carried with them for a while and they want to start to bring it to life? What advice would you have for them? Oh, to absolutely do it. Um, I, I can understand having reservations. And honestly, the biggest reservation for us is time. Yeah. That is we is we choose to take on one more thing or to participate in one more thing. You know, it's to the point that we're having to be selective because our, our time is valuable and our time is used in so many ways already. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's something that you're really feeling a need or desire to do, to just go for it. Yeah. And I sometimes have people question, you know, they're like, how, how do you and Caleb keep this all going? And, how do you balance like being a, a working mother that also owns a business and, um, you know, I'm responsible for 50 head of horses at the college and we have a cattle operation. Like, how does this all happen? And I, I laugh because I think balance is a terrible word. Yeah, <laughs> like it, I agree. It doesn't exist. <laughs> right. It truly doesn't exist. Like, yeah. there are days that we fall short in, you know, what we'd planned to do for that day or balance just doesn't exist. So I, I try to have the mindset of what we're doing as a family can have a lot of blend. Mm -hmm. So that means that our, our children are involved in our operation and they're out there at the barn nights that it's open. And when we're hosting a college horse show or I'm, you know, spending weekends checking broodmares at the barn, my kids are a part of it. That yeah. it's They've blended into what this looks like. So even though you know, time can maybe be a hindrance for somebody who wants to, to bring something to light or, or start a project or a business, um, find a way that it's going to work well for your family and make it happen. Yeah. It's just, it's not balance. It's just your life mm -hmm. it and totally you make is. it all work. It does work. You know, I, having our business too, in the location that it is, that it's literally like out our back door. Yeah is significant for our family. Um, we have a, a pretty vital downtown business and um, a couple of, of the board members for our downtown district had asked us to start our business downtown. And I see so much value in that and there's still a piece of me that wishes it could work that way, but it isn't the right fit for our family. Yeah. Because, you know, being in another location would take more time away from mm -hmm. what exists here. Yeah. When in 
when it's, you know, gosh, 25 yards out the back door, my kids can run back and forth to the house. And yeah, it just looks so different having it here. So it's, we found a way to meet the need, but make it work for our family. Yeah. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Well, how do we follow along with everything you have going on? Sure. You can find me at Barnwood and Bling on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, Caleb is most active on Instagram at CM Portable Welding. And with our, our beef business, um, with the Amaro Ranch Co., both of us just kind of incorporate that into our, okay. our other businesses. I'm not sure I could manage one more social media. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know if you have time. <laughs> That's great. Okay, well, we will link to that in the show notes. Shanda, thank you so much for being on the yes, podcast. thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, Shanda is one of the most involved people I know, and I love how she and her family are immersed in ag and they are maximizing their opportunities on their land. I got to witness this firsthand in the few days I got the chance to spend in Colby. Colby has a lot to offer, and if you're looking for a fun girls shopping trip down a historic small town Main Street, or if you're looking for a great place to stop when you're headed west to the mountains, you'll wanna make Colby part of your plans. A huge thanks to Shanda for being on the podcast and for sharing your town with me. And thanks to you for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody.